Welcome to this Business Travel News podcast. I'm Andy Hoskins and I'm editor of BTN Europe. Uh, in a departure from normal proceedings, I'm just going to mention that entries for the highly coveted Business Travel Awards opened a couple of weeks ago and close on May the 10th. Uh, you'll find all the information on businesstravelawards.com with the event itself taking place on September the 9th in London. Uh, swiftly moving on, let me introduce today's guest, Julia Lobu Saeed, Chief Executive of the Advantage Travel Partnership. Uh, if you don't know who Julia is by now, you've clearly not had your TV or radio on over the last year, for Julia has become a bit of a media superstar. Uh, Julia, welcome. In all seriousness, you have been working hard to uh, raise the profile of the travel industry's plight, and, and that has been widely recognised and appreciated, I think, and indeed you were included, well, nominated for and selected for BTN Europe's hot list this year. So uh, yeah, w- well done on all your all your work. How are you? Thank you, Andy. Hi, guys. I'm blushing. I know you can't see me, but I'm <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'm good considering 40, 14 months later, you know, what a journey for, for businesses and all of us as individuals, I guess. But, um, yeah, starting starting to see a, a very small glimmer of a light down a very, very long tunnel. Lot, lots of mountains still to climb and, and the fight isn't over by any stretch of imagination and, and tough times still ahead. Um, but, yeah, we, we kind of are where we are. But, um, yeah, we've just got to, got to keep, uh, keep that fight going for now. Mm, I guess we're uh, we're all looking forward to uh, May the seventeenth, hopefully. But um, did did you ever anticipate quite so many TV and radio appearances? Um, no, I can't can't say this. No, and it, it's really interesting because um, I'm, I'm sure you know Advantage is uh, you know we're a commercial organisation, so our our raison d'etre, if you like, is all about supporting independent TMCs and and, and leisure as well um, in a commercial manner um, to really make sure they've got products and services that that, that will enable them to, to function as a business and, and helps add value to their to their clients and their corporates. So, you know, the opportunity to lobby and be involved in government affairs and activities isn't something that was on our CV and never has been. So. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really proud of what we've done. And, and I think actually what, you know, what it's really taught me and really, I've really learned from it that actually as a business leader, when you're running a business during a global pandemic, nothing is off the table and you've just got to do whatever it takes to support your, whether it's your clients or your members. Um, and it takes you into a slightly different path, which at first is a bit uncomfortable, but we've, you know, we're, we're here to do a job and we've got to lead as best as we can, which you say sometimes takes us through different avenues. So yeah, it's, it's certainly been quite, quite an interesting, you know, interesting 14 months. Yeah, well, I, I think you've pulled that off quite effectively. Um, so yeah, you sort of framed advantage for us nicely there. Um, and, and you've mentioned that you, uh, that you represent both leisure agencies and business travel agencies. How do you sort of balance their needs? Because they're not, they're not always completely aligned. No, they're not. And both both of them have their own nuances. But but I guess in, in my specific role, you know, my obviously my role is to to oversee the group. And within the group, we are an organization whose members happen to need to sell travel components, whether they're selling to clients or whether they're selling to families or you know um, leisure travel. Actually, you know, is at, at that level is almost irrelevant. You know, it's about what do our customers need, regardless of what they sell, um, and how do we make sure that we have the right expertise within the business to manage those needs? So at one level, it's about you know travel, um, and we have lots of different customers. We call them customers, lots of different customers who have very different needs, and we've got to make sure we align our 
our team and our expertise and our products and services with what those individual customers need. And, and actually what that does, it gives us a really unique insight into a much broader element of travel. Um, and I don't, I don't really think there's anyone else or certainly no other, there is no other consortium that, that is involved in all the activity we're involved with. So we get a great opportunity to get a real holistic view over that travel sphere. Um, so it helps us to, you know, be able to provide members with products that possibly they wouldn't have got hold of before or wouldn't have thought about before. And, and a lot of agents and a lot of TMCs actually have dual, dual citizenship, if you like. You know, they, they are managing their clients' travel, but their clients also have leisure business. So actually we can help service both their needs. So it, it works really well. And as I say, it gives us a really broad, holistic overview of the, the whole travel industry. I guess it puts you in a strong position to advise government as well. I know you've had some involvement with the Global Travel Task Force, which we'll come on to very shortly. But um, OK, I was thinking we could think, do things a little differently today. You're, um, you wrote to your local MP in Hatfield last week, who happens to be Transport Secretary Grant Shapps. Um, it sort of conjures up images of you being pen pals or, or meeting up for coffee, but I'm, I'm not sure it'd be that amicable. So uh, <laughs> I've seen the letter uh, and, and there are some there's some strong messages in there. Uh, and I thought we'd just go over some of the points that you raise um, because they do uh, pretty much encapsulate the current concerns of the industry that I wanted to cover. So firstly, one of the key points you raise is that the Global Travel Task Force often references aviation and tourism but it's perhaps guilty of overlooking outbound travel, which is often forgotten, and the agencies, leisure and business alike, are missing out on sector-specific support. Yeah, and I, I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's a really big frustration because I think we get wrapped up in, you know, in one respect, I think the, the great thing that's come out of the crisis is we are a united industry. So we, I call us interconnected. We're an interconnected industry. We're reliant on lots of different components. Aviation being a really key component. So I work really closely with, you know, a lot of, you know, IATA, Bar UK, Airlines UK, and all the different groups to really try to think, to, to make sure that we're all, you know, none of us are throwing each other under the bus and we're all on a common theme. Um, but the reality is, you know, in, in the sector that I represent, they, you know, our, our agents do get forgotten and they do get sidelines and, and the government aren't always cognizant of the, that, that sector. So what we've been trying to do is just to make sure that they completely understand the important role that outbound travel, international travel plays, both in the economy for business travel, but obviously on, on the leisure side as well. So um, it's a it's a real frustration, and they they you know you know when you hear Grant Champs talking about it, and he talked about it at a conservative home meeting last week on a, on a virtual Zoom that he took part in, and he talks about seven billion being thrown at the at the sector. Seven billion actually you know did not go to the sector in in equal parts. You know so. Um, it, it does get very frustrating. And I think just on that also, it's a very siloed um, um, support system. So what we have been asking for for 14 months now is a sector specific support to, to recognise that if you take a lot of my members, 50% of them do not operate from a high street location. So therefore, they do not access the grants vast majority of those will be TMCs. Well, they're in offices. I'm in an office, you know, so we, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of support you can't qualify for, um, but yet they, they can't sell to their clients because there is no international travel. Um, so aligning fiscal support with the reality of a ban on international travel hasn't happened. Um, and business travel in particular is going to, going to be much longer in terms of that bounce back. 
Um, and we've got to, you know, we've just got to keep that message going. And so, yeah, I feel very passionate about it, very strongly about it, as does, you know, Clive at the BTA and, and the coalition that, that I've worked really closely with in terms of safe future travel, um, you know, making sure that we are keeping that message really high up on the agenda is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there were some points, I think Safe Future Travel Coalition published something uh, just yesterday, in fact, which we'll, which we'll get onto a little bit later. So also in, in your letter, you mentioned uh, you, you addressed the um, GTTF proposals ahead of the planned May 17th, hopefully the restart of travel. Uh, so let's talk about those. I kind of sense that Advantage is broadly happy with the concept, as others have been, but not so much with the lack of detail. Yeah, no, it's fair. I, I think, you know, we, we have a framework, which we didn't have, you know, 10 days ago. So, you know, to go from nothing to something is a start. And broadly speaking, a framework is very, you know, the framework they, they've um, described is fairly basic at one level, so easily to digest and understand. But yeah, you know, it's like everything without the criteria and the details to support it, it's worthless. It's, you know, you may as well not have written it. So, um, the detail, the countries that are in there, which actually today the um, select committee have published their report today, you might have seen that, um, which specifies the government must advise the industry and consumers no later than the 1st of May of the, how they will populate the traffic light framework um, and the criteria that's going to be used. So, yeah, framework is at, at, in its basic form is, is absolutely the right way to move forward, um, given where we are. However, clarity is just is, is imperative. Without that, we're, we're no further forward. We're not able to plan. We're not able to move, move ourselves in any shape or form in a, in a better position. Yeah, I, I guess it's not much use uh, leaving all that detail to May the 17th. Absolutely not. So, so the concept, the traffic light system is... <sighs> Is that going to stimulate travel, leisure, or business? Um, I think I think for if we do leisure, that's probably the easiest to start off with, and then we'll quickly just migrate into maybe into business travel. But I think in in you know for leisure, we're approaching the peak summer holidays, so pent up demand is there. You know, consumer sentiment to travel. Well, it's it's mixed. You know, actually, you've got you know consumers that are saying borders need to stay down you know variants there's concern lack of confidence and that's completely understandable um but you have consumers that actually you know really can't wait to, to travel now or they've got family abroad they haven't seen them for, for you know maybe over a year now so lots of different reasons why so pent-up demand is there so there is a sentiment to travel i think when when it comes to business travel we've got lots of different issues that we're working with you know, we were talking about working from home and in the office, you have, you know, um, you know, uh, an agenda from the corporates around what their what their objective is now in terms of in terms of travel, you know, what, align that with budgets, align that with sustainability. There's, there's, there's a lot more of a complex, a complex um, process to go through. However, you know, we, we are seeing, you know, talking to a lot of our members now who are engaging with their with their um, corporates, we are seeing actually fatigue there is a fatigue now about from working from home there is a need now with clients to go out and meet them um meeting new clients how do you meet new clients in this environment you know how do you, you know tendering has become quite difficult so there is there is a demand and we're, we're starting to see a recognition certainly in the business travel world that business travelers want to travel travelers want to travel and they want to do business by traveling 
Um, I mean, that's putting aside essential travel because obviously, you know, essential travel, you, you can't do it without traveling. You, you know, there are industries that obviously clearly reliant on that. So I think there are some more complexities and probably more um, uh, more barriers to business travel. But, um, but you know, certainly, you know, I, I think it'll be slower to recover, but certainly the demand to start moving again is, is absolutely there. Okay, and with the um, the green list is um, has been described as as being not too onerous. Um, presumably, you'd have liked to have seen fewer restrictions in there, including the biggest bugbear for a lot of people has been the PCR test requirement, um, which is particularly expensive. W- would you have liked to have seen a sort of restriction free category? <laughs> it's a daft question, really, isn't it? It's, well, it's not, it isn't. I mean, to you and I, mate, it's not. But I guess to, you know, you, you'd have thought it would have been quite logical in my mind that if it's green, it's green and green means no restrictions. But, you know, in the government's eyes, that's not, you know, and actually in every in every categorization of the traffic light setting, there is there are shades of red in there. Um, you know, to think we go from kind of where we are now to a traffic light system where green still has red in it because you have to, you know, you obviously have to take the, the different tests and we still don't know where the lateral flow will be will be um, allowed. Um, PCR testing may, maybe will come onto the cost of that in a second, but, you know, affordability on PCR testing and the practicalities of PCR testing. You know, what if you're only traveling overnight? What if you're only traveling for 24 hours? What if you, all the complexities that, you know, business travellers are going to absolutely need to, to work through the whole mirage of complexities that exist have not been worked through at all. Um, so, yes, we would absolutely like to see a, a, a situation where green means green and you travel unrestricted. Um, there are no exemptions right now to, to anyone that's been vaccinated. Well, how does that play out? So, yeah, and that's back to that framework. You know, the framework is there, but actually there are there are more questions with what, what uh, what's been laid out than there were before, to be honest. Crucial point there about the uh, that there's no currently no allowance for vaccinated travellers. There's going to be a green watch list this time. Um, I, I suppose that's to try and avoid some of the chaos that we saw last summer where, where countries moved from one list to another pretty much overnight and uh, people were scrambling to get home. Is that going to help or just cause more uncertainty? I think, again, it just depends on what does that mean in terms of notice periods, you know, so if they're in a holding bay and the holding bay means that they can go to red overnight or, or well, green would be okay, but, you know, red overnight, well, that that really doesn't help anybody. So um, without saying like a broken record, that criteria is so imperative to, to know and understand. And, you know, that that notice period of how, you know, what would it take actually, I mean, there are so many questions, what would it take for a country that's in green can they go? Can they move into amber? You know, what do, do they go from green to watch list to amber to red? You know, what what's that process and what's that criteria that goes alongside that? But making sure the data is publishable, I think that's a frustration now. There really isn't data that's published that we can all look at and trust um, and know that it's it's there in in um, you know with authority from the government that we can all follow, and that that is really important. One of the things that um, that was in our Global Travel Task Force mission was around that single source of communication, making sure there is one point of authority that publishes the data, and that's all we use. And we, we, we can make our plans and consumers can plan against that. The minute there is too much speculation, too many analysts, um, and actually it's, it's creating more confusion for consumers and, and travellers. I believe you called for sort of transparency around the, the measures that will place different countries or destinations in different categories and the weighting 
of those measured measures used to uh, decide the categories? Absolutely. So, you know, again, we have no idea whatsoever on, on that at all. And, you know, we you know, I have complete sympathy, actually, because, you know, these are public health is clearly priority for all of us. You know, none of us want to go back to a lock to a lockdown scenario. But a year later, we're in a much better position now with our genomic sequencing, um, with the vaccine rollout. Four months ago, and I, you know, I, I can't quite believe this, but four months ago, we'd only just started vaccinating. You know, we're now at what we, I can't, don't know what we're at now, 30 million plus, you know, um, it's incredible. And, you know, Europe is slowly catching up. Yes, they slow down. The US is doing a phenomenal job. We cannot be in a worse position now than we were last year when we had international travel operating to some degree. So, um, the weighting that's going to be used, the weighting that the government are using is, is really, I, you know, I think it's really critical that we understand what that is. How confident are you that we're, we're going to have some more detail by May the 1st and maybe even a, a green list to, uh, to check out? Um, well, you know, confidence, I don't know. I'm not sure, Andy. I think, <laughs> I think you know, what, what, I guess what we have to be confident on is, you know, international travel will resume at some point. Um, as I say, the um, Hugh Merriman MP, the Transport Select Chair, report today, which specifies the government must inform consumers by the 1st of May at the latest how the, how the traffic light system is populated. And, and there's other criteria that they've published today as well. Uh, that gives me more confidence that that for the first time um, signals the government being held to account, OK, by by the committee. But actually, that does give me more confidence. Um, but let's 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 see. Who knows? I think that's a, the yeah. I think that's the strongest sign we've had. But um, I, I, don't, I think the reality is none of us can feel confident. None of us can be confident until we until we hear hear the detail. Um, so PCR testing is going to be, or at the moment, is going to be a requirement of the green list countries on return. Um, and as we've said, it's, it's it's a more expensive test. Is that going to be a bigger hurdle for leisure travellers than business? And in fact, I know there's been talk about uh, the, the cost of PCR tests coming down or at least VAT being removed. There's um, sort of some speculation yesterday that that might ultimately become uh, a requirement just for a lateral flow test instead. So, yeah, so sort of going back to my original point, is that a bigger barrier to uh, leisure travellers than corporate? I think so. Yeah, I think, think the reality is, you know, if, um, you know, PCR testing, that was, you know, sort of 150 up to 150 pounds, you know, that that was the market rate, if you like, in terms of PCR testing. Um, that's a huge deterrent, you know, for, for anyone traveling and, and for families in, in particular. Um, I think, yeah, let, obviously less so for corporates, but we, I mean, you know, just, I suppose, exclusively to you now, because we haven't, we haven't put it out into the, into the wider, we'll put it out in the wider marketplace um, later, um, but we have done a, a deal with Randocs for our members where they get an exclusive code to be able to purchase the PCR testing for their clients um, at a, at a reduced rate. Um, so that will be available to all, all our members, um, you know, with, with immediate effect. So it will help. And obviously, you know, from a business travel, travel perspective, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think so much the PCR testing will be a deterrent in terms of the cost. But actually, you know, budgets are always, always an issue. So I think it's another benefit that the TMC can provide to their traveller. OK, brilliant. So, um Let's move on to the Save Future Travel Coalition uh, proposals that which were published yesterday. Um, I, th I think it's 12 organisations, including yourselves, ABTA um, and the Business Travel Association. 
amongst others. So a couple of the points were to, uh, you'd like to see furlough and rate reliefs extended for six months from May the 17th with future reviews, which which makes sense. And then as we talked about is um, specifically to create a new sector specific recovery grant for travel agents, tour ops uh, and TMCs reliant on international travels. It's perfectly logical, makes sense. Do you think it could happen? Um, I think, again, you know, it, it's conversations that will continue. And, and as I said before, you know, for a lot of a lot of my members and you know, members that are part of those other groups, because of how they've operated, TMCs have not had access to, to the restart grants. You know, if you were a, a hairdresser and don't get me wrong, nothing wrong with hairdressers, um, you, you would have been entitled to them. But, you know, a TMC who who is fundamental to. The, the economy of, of the UK trying, you know, there to build global Britain to get the country back back up and operating doesn't have access to the same level of, of grants as, um, you know, as high street, high street businesses is, is just incredible and, and actually no recognition that um, the international track, the lack of in, obviously the international travel um, has had on, on the members so I think it's really important that message that message continues that we continue um, collectively championing that message and we really try to make sure that the government are cognizant of the impact to, to some of these businesses. Mm -hmm. Okay uh, what is the mood amongst your members at the moment I mean we going back to where we started you, you mentioned there is there is light at the end of the tunnel now are they feeling more positive? It's really tough really really tough um, and I think for you know, for a lot of our, you know, if you're depending on what sectors you're you're servicing, you know, so so there are some members who have service sectors in the essential travel space which um, have been operating, of course, nowhere near the capacity that they they traditionally would have operated, um, but they've at least been able to generate a bit of income. They, you know, they've got some staff working, um, and they're, you know, they've been able to operate. Um, for a lot of members, depending on what sectors they, they're supporting, where they're not classed as, as essential travel, um, it's it's had a huge impact. I mean, it's a, a severe impact. So I think the mood is, um, you know, the mood is is still pretty, um, you know, tough. Not not necessarily, I, I, I want to say not confident. Um, that didn't sound right. But um, I, I think, you know, for a lot of members, they, they know that there is, that tunnel is still quite a long tunnel. Um, and that's why back to that sector specific support, it's it's um, it's really important that we continue to get that message across because it's by no no means out of the woods yet. So, yeah, I think I think everyone's tired. Everyone's tired. Everyone's frustrated. Um, actually, everyone's had enough. You know, we, we kind of almost want to write this year. Well, everyone's having to write this year off and start again. Um, but I, I think the the opportunities that present that TMCs in particular the SME sector that are, they are presented with um, can allow them to bounce back quicker I really do believe that and I think they have a great opportunity to add a really personal bespoke service to their to their clients and I think we saw that we've seen that the last few years and I think now will be an even greater opportunity for them for them to be able to do that so yeah I think you know absolutely very difficult times very frustrating times but you know i think for those members where we can kind of keep that positivity going you know using this time to really re-engineer their businesses and think about what bespoke service can they offer to their to their clients who i mean frankly the world is a very different place now you know to, to what it was a year ago you've got brexit you know pandemic post-pandemic travel and um, there are a lot of changes that travelers are going to need hand-holding um, and a very different service as, as we come out of this as well.
mm, incredibly complex landscape now. Um, I guess I don't want to dwell on it too much, but that we have um, lost businesses. You've lost members, unfortunately. Having reached this point in time, do you expect the worst of that now to be over? I'd like to think so. Um, but as I said, it, it's still incredibly difficult. You know, the, you know, it, it's a very challenging marketplace um, and it will continue to be. And even, you know, as on, you know, you know, when we get to the 17th of May and fingers crossed and everything else crossed, you know, we, we start to see international travel resume. Um, it's still a long way to go to get us back or get, you know, businesses back to where they were. So, um, you know, it's... Um, you know, inevitable, I think, that we're going to see some more failures. I think that is a, you know, I think that's that's a fact. We are going to see that. Um, but let's, yeah, I think as we start to see, you know, the signs of recovery, then I think an age, agents have been able to hibernate their businesses um, and make sure that they are in a position where they can come through fighting fit. It's all down to cash. It's all down to your liquidity. I mean, I think businesses, you all plan for those dark days and you all plan for those rainy days. But you know, 14 months later, it's, um, it become those rainy days become a bit dry. So I think it's, um, yeah, I, I, you know, there's, yeah, it's, um, I suppose inevitable that there are still some really tough, tough times ahead. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those, those rainy days, no one could possibly have anticipated they were going to last this long. Um, so, so one point that's been discussed a bit recently is, is the potential of a sort of UK US corridor based on the on the pretty good vaccination rates of the two countries but also the economic importance of the uh, the US to the UK probably of less significance to your leisure members but to your business travel members that, that that's a key destination presumably that's something you you are fully in support of oh absolutely it's one of our biggest trading nations to, for for a lot of our TMC so um yeah i mean we we working really closely with our partners over in the us so keeping up to date from from a us administration on trying to understand what's happening there um i've worked quite closely with um the british america business association as well um just to again try to make sure we keep our ears to the ground and and really trying to attack it both ways um and i think like like that you know like we've seen over the last you know few months you know you have moves of positivity that come from one of the administrations or one of the governments. Um, and then that's, you know, then you get a, a moment of negativity where, you know, where the restrictions seem to be tightening as opposed to easing, which actually we, we've obviously seen a little bit today. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I think we, we have to remain positive because of the rollout. I think we have to remain positive because, uh, you know, we're not, we're not picking up variants or there's, there's no discussion about um, certainly, in, you know, the openly, discussing about variants in our two nations um, and I think providing that stays as it is we, we should feel confident that that corridor will will start up at some point um, early summer. Do you think the US is going to be on the green list? I hope so I mean again it, I don't I hate speculating I, I do I do um, I'm the first to criticize anyone that speculates so I don't like to get called into that um, but I think from what we know right now, based on based on the, you know, the uh, the little criteria we have, you would have thought so. Um, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, it, it is uh, tremendously difficult to anticipate to, to sort of second guess anything right now. But um, let's hope so. Um, and on that small note of positivity, we'll, we'll leave it there, Julia. Thank you very much for taking part. Keep up the good work. Um, and I wish you, yourself and Advantage all the very best. Thanks, Andy. Thank you very much.